Hello and welcome to Pickleball Therapy, the podcast dedicated to pickleball improvement. Hope you're having a great week. Uh, this week we are going to be covering a couple of super interesting topics. One came from a question that's asked pretty commonly and then so I said, well, let me deal with it on a podcast, right? It's a fairly common question and it basically has to do with the idea that, you know, we're out there working on our games. We're, we've been working on this part of our game. Say you're working on your dink or you're working on hitting this shot deeper, whatever it is. And then you get out on the pickleball court for a game and mm, it doesn't look quite the way it was supposed to look based on what you were doing in practice, right? So this disconnect between what we're working on and what's happening on the pickleball court when we play. So we're going to talk about that and I'm going to give you some tips on how to overcome that uh, and also how to maybe frame it. So framing and overcoming it, we're going to talk about that in the main section. Then in the rift today, we're going to be talking about something pretty interesting, which is the concept of the underperforming player. So what do I mean by underperforming player? Stay tuned and find out. Let's get ready for the podcast. Whether we're teaching, drilling, or playing, CJ and I trust our feet and bodies to only one pickleball shoe. The pickleball shoe made by the experts at Tyrol Pickleball. Tyrol is the only shoe manufacturer that designs shoes specifically and only for pickleball. Click on the link below and check out the shoes that CJ and I trust and try a pair yourself. We'll see it on the court. So this is a question that comes up pretty frequently and, the, and, and it's framed out different ways, but the gist of it, the general concept of it is, I've been working on something in my game, but it's not translating into the pickleball court. In other words, so I go out and I, let's take dinks for example, right? Or, or trying to play the soft game. So I'm playing the soft game in my practice sessions, right? I'm working on my dinking, I'm working on my block volleys, whatever, you know, things to, to add to my soft game. But the minute the ball goes live, right? The minute that we get into the action, things just, you just start firing away, right? Just going back to reverting back to how we used to play and not using the strategy or the technique or the shot that we're trying to add to our games. So I wanted to give you some framing and then give you some some ideas on on how to increase the chances that you're going to use the new technique that you want to use uh, and uh, and in add it to your game right incorporate it in part of your game. So the the number one thing I'm going to give you is not number one but the first thing I want to give you on this is basically understand that if you've been working on something for X amount of time it may not be enough time yet. And what I mean by that is this: let's say you've been playing for two years, just to take a number. So you've been playing pickleball for two years. And let's say you play three days a week on average. So you've been playing, you know, 300 sessions, two years, three days a week, right? 300 times you've been out to play for two or three hours a time. And you do, you've done things a certain way. That is a lot, a lot of muscle memory. That is a lot of your brain, you know, doing the thing that you, you thought you needed to do, right? And, and then just keep on doing it because the brain sees you do it and you don't tell it no. So it just does it again and again and again and again and again. That's a lot. And let's say you've been working on your game, you know, for two months or three months, right? On a skill, on a specific skill. And be real. I mean, I'm, I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps you haven't been, you, you know, working at it as much as you've been playing, meaning... You know, you're playing, let's use the same example, three days a week on average, right? So over three months, doing the math in my head real quick, that's going to be 12, 36 sessions of play, right? Three hours a time, that's 100 hours of play during that period. 
for most players, they have not put in 100 hours of work on that skill that you're trying to learn, right, in that same amount of time. So it's difficult to compete, right, for the new skill to compete with the the older skill that you have been using for a couple of years and that you continue to use as you're acquiring the new skill, okay? Now, I'm not being, I'm not criticizing you for playing. It's fine to play. I'm just giving you framing so you understand what's going on. What's going on is the the old skill, the old habit, the old thing that you're used to doing is simply so ingrained, right? So grooved. And you're continuing, you may continue to grow it because you're continuing to play while you're working on the new skill on the side. When you're working on a new skill, you're super focused on it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute and how to do that in play. But you're super focused on it. So, of course, you're doing the thing that you're trying to do during the drill sessions, right? During your work sessions. But then when you step out on the pickleball court, what happens? Your your habits and your and your and what you're used to doing come back into the surface again. That is perfectly understandable. So... One thing I would suggest to you is if you're trying to learn a new, let's take a new shot, right? So a new type of dinking or something, consider for a period of time increasing the ratio of the amount of practice versus the amount of play. So if in a week you have, you know, roughly nine, 10 hours to play pickleball or to devote to pickleball for the next couple of weeks, maybe try, you know, five and five or, you know, or, 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 you know, four and six or something like that, you know, where you're playing six hours and practicing four or playing four, practicing six, try and basically increase the ratio of practice to play because what your body needs is your body needs repetitions, right? In order to get uh, the muscle memory that you want. So that next time you step out on the court, you'll do the shot that you want to have happen. Okay. So that's step number one is be realistic about yourself in terms of your your the amount you're practicing versus the amount you're playing and the the, the amount of ingrained uh, that 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 shot already has in your system, right? The amount of time you've already been doing it, and be realistic about that. And if you want to see faster results, then for a certain amount of time, to take a week or two, right, and or more like, like two to three weeks, and say to yourself, okay, the next two or three weeks, I'm going to flip it around and I'm going to practice this shot more than I'm playing with it. Uh, and see if that helps. The other thing you can do is when you are playing, so when you go out to play, apply some of the principles that you use when you practice. And what I mean by that is your focus. When you go out to drill or work on a part of your game, you're so focused on that one part of your game that you are, uh, that you're really, you know, you're, you're hitting that one shot, right? So say, again, let's go back to the dink. So you've been working on your backhand dinks during drilling. So when you go out to to drill, what do you do? You're focused on dinking, right? You're not sitting out there like hitting hard, hitting volleys, hitting all kinds of shots. You're just dinking. Now, the way you do that when you're playing is you say to yourself, okay, I am going to play this next game soft, right? So let's say you're trying to work on the soft game. I am going to dink every shot that gets hit to me, unless it's a clear pop-up that I can smash from above my, you know, from around my shoulder, Everything else, I'm going to try and dink and just make it a part of your game. Now, I understand that when you're playing in a in an open play setting, sometimes, you know, it may feel a little bit odd to do that, basically because you, you know, your partner may look at you like, what are you doing with that shot? That's not what you normally do. So perhaps consider doing it when you're partnered with somebody who you can tell them, hey, you know, hope you don't mind. I'm working on something. This game, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to focus on doing this. And if you know them really well, you can actually say to them, hey, can you help me out? And if you see me do something other than this, 
maybe say something to me right after the after the rally. So, for example, you're trying to work on the soft game, and you know you you get into one of those firefights and you just go with it, bang 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 bang. Rally's over. You should be able to you know well in a perfect world you're able to tell yourself okay. I didn't do what I wanted to do there. I wanted to slow it down and, and play the soft game. And if you have a partner that is is keen on doing that or is is, is uh, able to do that, they can also tell you, hey, listen, you know, you're, you're telling me you want to play a soft game. That wasn't very soft. Maybe soften it up next time. And so you can, what you do is you basically pick that as your focus during the game. You're not concerned about the score. You're not concerned about anything else except executing the strategy that you want to execute or the technique you want to execute. In this example, using the soft game. And you can focus on one game. If you, if you like that, then try it again in another game. And what you'll see is you'll see it'll start becoming more habitual for you as you incorporate it into your game. I'll give you all an example of real life story that that's something that I did with a, a friend of mine who was having difficulty with the movement up to the MBZ. Okay. So what we did is that's the non-volley zone. So the kitchen. And this was on the surf side. So what happened was the player was having difficulty like slowing himself down, right, to move up. So as soon as the third shot was hit, he was just moving up, moving up, moving up. So I introduced an artificial um, limiter, basically. What I said is I said, when we hit our third shot, no matter what kind of third shot gets hit, we are not going to move in. Then we're going to hit another ball. No matter how good that ball is, we are not going to move in. We'll move in after the seventh. So we're going to hit the third, the fifth, and then the seventh. After the seventh, we can move in if the shot's good. And what that was able to do was able to slow us down, right? Slow my side down, slow my friend down and say, okay, I don't need to run in immediately when the ball gets hit. Okay, Even in these cases, obviously, we were giving them some opportunities because there were some shots that were hit that we could have moved in on, but we had made the, the, the agreement that we weren't going to move in until at least the seventh shot. Um, now, obviously, if the other team hit a short ball, we'd go get it. But my point is we, we were being more methodical in our movement by introducing a limiter. So if you're trying to play the soft game, you're going to be hitting everything soft, even shots that you go, well, maybe I could have, like in a normal setting, I might have hit that one hard well, like that would have been a decent shot to attack. I am in, I'm basically putting a limiter on myself to force me to hit the type of shot that I'm looking for because that is ultimately my objective. Winning or losing that game doesn't matter. My objective is what I want to focus on. So focus is a really helpful technique to use uh, as well. And then the last thing, and this one ties to the, I mentioned a little bit at the beginning when I talked about you need a more muscle memory and be realistic about, you know, your your scope of, of play versus practice and things like that. But big picture also, give yourself time and space. I mean, you know, learning a new skill, learning a new shot, learning a new technique, that takes time. And you know, you're putting in the work, right? Obviously, because that's the conversation, the conversation I'm putting in the work, but I'm not seeing it on the court. But sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit of time to, for, to get used to the shot, to feel the shot. And you may not notice it. Maybe you are using it, you know, maybe you're not using it, you know, 80% of the time like you want, but you're using it 10%. Whereas before it was zero. And maybe you're at 30 and before it was 15. So allow the process to work. Keep keep working on the technique that you want to use, Right. Again, let's go back to the soft game. If you're adding the soft game into your into your style of play, into how you approach pickleball, which we recommend, it's a it's a super powerful technique. Um, you know, add it into your game, and then understand that sometimes things will get a little crazy out there. That's no big deal. And then catch yourself in the in the you know it'd be getting sucked into the firefights and all the the crazy fastballs. And then next rally, I'm going to slow it down. 
And what will happen is little by little, you'll increase the habit, increase the the uh, the skill set, right? Um, together with the drilling and the focus, you'll be able to get it done. Um, you know, they're, they're, the, the, I'm going to tell you this, like going back to the soft game, tennis players, very good tennis players, tennis players who are excellent, maybe played college and things like that. Even those players have difficulty adding the soft game into their into their game because they want to attack everything. They want to hit everything hard. That's, you know, like, kind of like baked in, right? We just go, go, go. Adding that soft game is counterintuitive because it is such a, um, it, it's so contrary to what we like instinctually want to do. We just want to go out there and hammer that ball. And so uh, give yourself the time and space you need to get the job done. And you'll see that you will be able to, in fact, learn the soft game or anything else and add it to your game. All right, in the riff, we're going to talk about the uh, a different way of looking at the bangers and the players on your court that look like they're like amazing players. Maybe a little uh, contrarian and controversial, but we're going to tackle it in the riff. So stay tuned for the riff. Pickleball players often focus on their shots, on improving their shots. There's nothing wrong with improving your shots. You will need to be able to hit shots to play your best pickleball. However, selecting the best shot for any given situation depends on the game's framework. From the framework of the game, you can develop the objectives that you need to accomplish when you're out on the court. From objectives, you get strategies. From strategies, you select the best shot. If you want to play your best pickleball and understand the game when you're out there, you'll need to understand the framework of pickleball. The most efficient way to learn the framework of pickleball is through the pickleball system. You not only get the shots and strategies and objectives you need, you get the framework of the game. Join us inside a system class and become a complete pickleball player. I'll link to it below. So here's an interesting way of thinking about players who we play with sometimes. You know, you get like a situation where like in a rec center or a community center, there's the banger, right? The player that uh, maybe came over from tennis or racquetball or something like that. They're able to hit the ball hard and and keep it in, you know, and, and just are very successful at hitting the ball hard. And it it can be overwhelming for players who don't come from a similar background. So, you know, you're again, you get a kind of mixed group of players at a rec center or something like that. And you'll have a player that appears to dominate everybody because they're applying this you know, banging or hard kind of a game. But the question I ask is, is that player a successful player? No, is that player playing to their potential? Or are they in reality an underperforming player? In other words, like let's say you have a player that is playing, you know, at the 3.5 level to use numbers, right? 3.5 level and dominating at that level. Is that player a very good 3.5? Or sometimes is that player an underperforming 4.0 player? Or of a 4.0 player that's an underperforming 4.5 player. And I think it's a fair thing to ask, particularly when you get players that are, um, you know, they're not really playing pickleball. They're playing basically a tennis or a racquetball game. And they're able to overwhelm the players who they currently play with, right? But then all of a sudden when they meet that that 4.0 player or that 4.5 player, they can no longer perform at that level because those players are able to handle it. So again, just kind of an interesting way of thinking about it. You know, when you're when you're out there looking at the player who looks like, oh my God, that player dominates here. Is that player really, again, a successful player in that environment? Or oftentimes I would suggest that that player is actually an underperforming player. And it's a player, it's a player who perhaps could play um, you know, at a higher level than they're playing at right now. 
if they added the skills that are fundamentally necessary for pickable. And what what the one way to frame it out that might 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 make more sense than this uh, spiel so far, this riff so far, is um, so Ben John's brother Colin played uh, professional tennis, right? At, the, at a high level, he was like ranked number thousand in the world, which I know isn't you know he, he wasn't Federer, but he still was an excellent tennis player. And Deco Barr was a friend of his, and they both were on the circuit traveling, playing competitive tennis, right? At the at the challenger level, I believe is what they were playing, or futures or challenger, I can't remember. But you know, the the level right below the the high level. Anyway, so you had those two gentlemen, excellent athletes. Well, when they came over to pickleball, they, you know, Colin John's brothers, Ben John's, and so they would play one versus two doubles against Ben. So Ben would play against both Kadekel and Colin. 1v2 and Ben would win. Now, does that mean that are Colin and Deco bad athletes and like that? No, they're fine athletes, but they didn't know yet know how to play pickleball. So Ben, because he knew how to play pickleball, could beat both of them at you know at on two versus one and, and doubles. Now, if you had taken Deco and Colin um, at their you know just when they started playing pickleball before they knew how to play like they do now, and thrown them into you know a four o group or even a four five group like that. They probably would have won, okay. Um, so you could have looked at them and go, "Wow, they're really good four fives. But I would have suggested that they're in fact underperforming pro players, which is ultimately what they ended up being was excellent pro players, because at that time they did not know how to play pickleball. And so as you work on your game, as you add skills to your game, um, you know I don't we don't subscribe to the concept that there's a right way to play pickleball. But we do subscribe to the concept that there's a fundamentally sound framework and objectives to, or there's a framework to the game that is, uh, that makes sense to understand. Then there's sound objectives that flow from that framework, and then you get the strategy and shots. And the better you understand the framework, the better you understand your objectives, then you can come up with strategies and shots that are going to help you perform at the best level that you can, as opposed to underperforming um, the level that you can achieve. All right, it looks like my voice is going to leave me in a second, so we're going to wrap the podcast. That's this week's podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. It helps us reach other players and share with your friends. If you enjoyed the podcast, they probably will too. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.